Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And this is Antiques Freaks. It's a podcast for sure. And for once, just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, a nice break in between interviews. It's been a hot minute. What antiques were we talking about this week? I want to talk about Stan Hope's or The Optical Bijou. Stanley's Hope, the sequel to Stanley Parable? What does Stan hope for? <laughs> Perhaps today we'll find out. Now, Ken, do you know what a Stan Hope is? Object, small, containing lens also small to view even smaller picture inside object. Correct. Yay! <laughs> they win the podcast. <laughs> Yep, the Stanhope is a microphotograph that is mounted directly on to a microscopic lens that is mounted inside some small amusing object that you can then peer through and look at the picture. And objects such as? Necklaces, rings, bracelets, pocket knives, watch fobs, needle cases, letter openers, thimbles. Are some of them, dare I say, sculptural? Yeah, some of them are just little knickknacks. My favorite, because I think it's very funny, would definitely be the ones that are little tiny binoculars. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> because they're so amusingly on the nose. Look through these tiny binoculars to see a tiny little world. Because <laughs> usually the thing about Stan Hopes is that they're like a little mystery that you discover, except for the ones that are just telling you that that's a Stan Hope. The ones that say to you, hey, look in this, just try it. Just take a peek. Pencils, pens, notebooks. I'm not kidding when I say if it's little, it might have like a Stanhope in it. But how did these things come to pass? Well, we're going to start our story with the third Earl of Stanhope. Now, does this have anything to do with the name? Yes, but not the way you might think. Oh. So in the early 1800s, the third Earl of Stanhope invents a kind of microscope that is a small cylinder of glass with each end curved outward, one end being more convex than the other, that is used to examine small things, especially transparent things like fluids. Most people fail to give a shit. <laughs> it's a practical item made for people who need to look at little things, which there aren't a lot of, so it's not, you know... So why should I care? <laughs> why do you give a shit? Me, Johnny Victorian! Why should I give a shit? Yeah, it's an interesting thing that is interesting only to the people who are invested in optical science. Which is like five people. <laughs> At this point in history. Enter the next person, <laughs> number two. <laughs> a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Dancer in 1851 invents a method of creating microphotographs using a collodion process. And a microscope, what he had turned into a camera, because that is the most logical way to get a microscopic image. This could render a photograph of about three millimeters mounted on a transparent glass slide. These, weirdly enough, got kind of popular thanks to his friend, Sir David Brewster. See, normally this is sort of a weird flex, because you can only look at these items through a microscope, which is a complicated and expensive thing for people in 1851, right? It's a complicated and expensive thing now. Yeah, imagine how much like worse that was in 1850. Think of it, won't you? Thank you. But John Benjamin Dancer, Rhythm is a Dancer... <laughs> His friend, Sir David Brewster, was given a photographic slide with a bunch of these microphotographs and lost his absolute mind, took it with him across Europe, and showed it to absolutely literally the fuck everyone he could using a spherical magnifier known as a Coddington lens. This went so far as to having gained an audience with the Pope and the Cardinal in Rome, specifically to say, look at how small this goddamn picture is, oh my god. <laughs> A slow day for the papacy. <laughs> Which I find delightful. 
So David Brewster, he did a great service to the idea of the microphotograph by popularizing this novelty. Unfortunately, Dancer's eyesight began to fail over time. Was it because he spent too long staring at things that were way too small? Can anyone who is smart and science, is that true? (laughs) Does looking at things that are very tiny ruin your eyesight? That always smacked of like fake thing to me, but I'm not doctor. Write in antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, eye doctors, get at me. Well, because it's like a popular myth with like lace makers, right? Oh yeah. I wonder if it's true. So Dancer can't really move forward with this technology. Now, we have a third player, a gentleman by the name of René Dagron. René? René Dagron. Dagron thinks that these little tiny photographs are pretty fucking tight. And he's not wrong. But he also notices that it's not easy for people to access these little tiny photographs. He's like, who has these specialized lenses to just look at stuff? Like, especially just like a picture of a woman's backside or the Pope. Or a picture of the Pope's backside. (laughs) Or a picture of the the Pope's backside, yeah. Can Dagron fix this problem? No. The end. He can't. <laughs> he takes an, the concept of a Stanhope lens and modifies it. One end is kept to refract light while making the other flat and putting it at the focal plane of the curved side. Interesting. He would then take a microphoto and use balsam glue, a kind of clear vegetable mucilage, to adhere the microphoto to this extremely tiny lens that can then be loaded into whatever he wants and used to take a peep at the image, magnifying it just enough to be clear and detailed. And then it took off. He goes crazy. He goes nuts. He goes insane. Oh no. He introduces them in 1859 at the International Fair in Paris. Everybody cares deeply. (laughs) (laughs) For once. For fucking once. At some point, he is actually asked to present this to the Queen of England, which is weird because he's French, but I guess she just had to meet the guy who made the little pictures... (laughs) visible. Had to. These whimsical things absolutely just fucking take off. And Dagron is loving it. He introduces them in 1859 and 1860. He very intelligently obtains the patent for the viewers <laughs> under the title The Bijou Photomicroscopique. Mais ouais. So Stanhope isn't really their correct technical name, but it is what everyone calls them because Dagron called them that before he patented them as the Bijou Photomicroscopique. He opens a Stanhope lens factory in Gex, France, my favorite PS1 video game. Wow. And by 1862, he has 150 employees churning out 12,000 various trinket souvenirs and jewelry pieces with a lens in them a day. Damn. And he doesn't stop there. He invents a micro camera. He wants the picture smaller and more. <laughs> He invites a micro camera that can produce 450 exposures that are two by two millimeters on wet collodion plate. Damn. To the point where he could get 450 micrographic dots on a single slide and showed this off by having a two millimeter by two millimeter slide with 450 discrete portraits on it. Holy shit. Yeah. Rene Dagron had a lot of fun with the idea of optical science. Now, because of how little, fun, exciting, and easy to make these were, they turn up in literally everything. Immediately, they start to kind of replace carte de visites as souvenirs for trips. They also become highly popular for looking at women's titties, as most things that are used to photograph things will eventually be used. Or all things that let you look at something without the people over your shoulder seeing what you're looking at. Yeah, you want to look at little titties? Why don't you get a pocket watch that has a little picture of a lady's titties in it? Convenient. 
There is a myth that the first commissioned Stanhope was a client who was spurned by his lover and then requested a tiny portrait for her be placed into a ring so he could wear it without anyone knowing, which is strange and creepy, and thank God it's probably not true. Yay! Instead, the first commercially available Stanhope was a watch key. That contained a picture of? Notable areas around France. So we don't know what it was specifically a picture of. No, unfortunately, we do not know. Okay. Although he was frequently commissioned for private pieces like family portraits. Private titties. You could get your famous artwork put in it. Your famous titties. Surprisingly mum on the titties, but yes, they did crop up quite a bit. The natural progression from a popular souvenir is a popular marketing ploy. We have advertising Stanhopes? There are actually some Stanhopes that are only used for advertising. No pictures. When you look inside, there is an ad. <laughs> a little tiny microphoto of a written ad that you read. Damn. And either these were things like toothpick or something perhaps sculpturally related to what you're advertising. One of the more famous examples is actually a little wooden umbrella from an umbrella company that inside is just a little written ad that says hey an umbrella you probably need one you live in england <laughs> it literally just says like buy our umbrellas they're pretty good <laughs> some of them were less secretive i did find one that is just a little round charm with a keyhole that says peak with an arrow pointing to the hole where the stanhope is <laughs> Stanhopes are pretty unique in that- How long do you think they lasted for, Ken? 50 years. So you think by the turn of the century they were gone? Your tone suggests I'm an idiot for thinking that. I don't think you're an idiot. There's no way you're knowing. You're learning this with me. <laughs> so the final run of the Stanhope Lens Factory in Gex, France was in 1972. Damn. Run by Roger Remond and produced the, at the time, last Stanhope Lens made in traditional method. Note that I said at the time. Has there been, dare I say, a resurgence? Sort of. Okay. So one of the things depicted in Stanhope's, also alongside titties and pictures of the Pope and literally any beautiful piece of art you might think of. Such as a beautiful painting of the Pope's titties. Such as a beautiful painting of the Pope with his titties and his ass out. Oh my god, the Pope with his robes blowing up like Marilyn Monroe over that vent. <laughs> That would be so fucking funny. How do we get that to happen? The Pope's seven-year itch. Oh my god, the Pope likes it hot. <laughs> so anyway, we're gonna take a break from recording this podcast to go paint that and be right back. Yeah, hold on, I gotta go do an entire portrait of the Pope. So yeah, Stanhope's had a really, really long run. It turns out a little tiny thing that you can peek into is, is fun for everyone over many decades. Because there's never a time in human history where people don't want to look at titties. It's true. I want to look at the World's Fair and twi Twitties? Twitties. I want to look at the Crystal Palace and titties and the Pope and his titties all the time. <laughs> now, because of this, we have a absolute flood and embarrassment of Stanhope novelties all over the world that uh, you can just find. And because they were made to be discreet, just in case there's titties in there. Which there almost certainly are. Which there- <laughs> Don't get people's hopes up that the first Stanhope they're gonna find is titties in it. <laughs> I've been in the game for like 15 years, I ain't never seen titties in a Stanhope. I've never seen titties in my goddamn life. Wait, that's so sad. Rip in the chat for Ken. Um... <laughs> Thanks to the fact that they were made to be hidden, they can kind of be like a little gotcha. You can buy a cute little sewing scissors, dip pen, cigar holder, and it could just have a picture inside of it. Surprise, there's tits. Which does make sifting through little things at a flea market way more fun, I have to admit. 
They can be in any material from bone, a variety of base metals, silver sometimes, although plastic was the predominant material after the 1920s. Well, that's true of most things. <laughs> oh, and wood. Although bone is very common. Metal. All kinds of metal. Pig metal, pot metal. I meant that putting things in bone was metal as a concept, but oh. yeah, also metals <laughs> the material. <laughs> oh, we do have fun. What a silly pair we are. <laughs> Because of their ubiquity and the long span of time they existed over, I find that most Stanhope collectibles are fair to moderately priced. Really? If they're being sold as a known Stanhope, they usually hover around $30 to $40, depending on what the item is. Well, if it's like sterling silver, obviously it's going to be going like silver rate. And a lot of these things, since they have not been identified as Stanhopes, will just sell for whatever a thimble generally sells for. Five, ten dollars if it's really, really nice. It's a thimble. How much could it possibly cost? Ten dollars? <laughs> Spoken like someone who's never bought a really nice thimble. <laughs> if you want the big fat money, then you want an original Dagron image. These were only produced for 10 years between 1860 and 1870. And the little image has a line that says reproduction microphotographic by the Dagron company written underneath the image. But it's in French that time. I didn't want to say it in French because I don't speak French. And frankly, I think they've suffered enough abuse from me already. Damn, letting the French off easy today. <laughs> Dagron's proprietary ones also seem to just have a higher image quality. So if you can in any way prove that it is a Dagron original, that is quite valuable. And for the love of God, don't put it in water. Why not? The mixture of the vegetable mucilage and the wet collodion process up until the 1920s will dissolve in water. Oh no. Yeah. I feel like don't put it in water is a good strategy for most antiques. It's my favored strategy. I try to not do that. <laughs> So like I mentioned before, religious Stanhopes are one of the areas in which Stanhopes have kind of endured. I actually found a couple modern ones at the La Salette Shrine last year. The who now? La Salette Shrine is a local shrine built in honor of Our Lady of La Salette. It is in Massachusetts and it is famous for having a huge light show every Christmas. And also they have a donkey and, <laughs> and I go there as a habit and they have a huge gift shop. That is the tackiest thing I've ever seen. And they sell Stanhopes with the Lord's Prayer on them. Damn. I don't know what it is about the Catholics, but they're obsessed with things being extremely tiny. I'm looking at you, mustard seed necklace. Ooh. I guess they just really like the idea of keeping their piety literally around their neck. There's a criticism in there somewhere, <laughs> but I'm too hopped up about Stanhopes to really focus on it. So that's one thing you got to look out for. If you've got a religious Stanhope, you might need to do a couple of extra steps to see if the object itself is vintage or antique. This can be difficult because plastic isn't a guarantee or in any direction. If you're looking at it in a, say, Christian bookstore gift shop, then I'm going to go ahead and bet that it's new. Image quality has a lot to do with it, too. The original Stanhopes are all transparent pieces of either glass or plastic, depending on era, and they're just going to not be as crisp as a modern one. Currently, we have printers that are much better at producing a higher fidelity image at that size. One other thing you have to look out for. Titties? The Stanhope Microworks. Oh. It is a current gift shop company that creates Stanhopes. This is contemporary. They are not reproductions. As far as I'm aware, there are actually no genuine reproductions, just contemporary items. So there aren't people trying to make copies of Stanhopes from the 1850s. There are only people creating new Stanhopes with new Stanhope images. Exactly. The Stanhope Microworks, for example, have a special run that have images of the Twin Towers. So they're not trying to trick anybody. They do provide a very useful basis for determining if an image is vintage or not. Realistically, would this have been a vintage image? 
the mayor of Paris in 1990 is not a vintage Stanhope. It gets a little trickier. Uh, Stanhope Microworks specifically is actually making mini balls. These are ammunition from the Civil War. So they're taking authentic mini balls and mounting Stanhopes inside them that have Civil War things in them. Images. For the most part, these are unusually high-quality images of generals' portraits and stuff, where a genuine Civil War Stanhope would probably have an image of a battlefield, not with the bodies on it, but, you know, the field of Gettysburg, so on and so forth. So you have to be very very particular about what the image is depicting, and if it makes sense for an aged object. I mean, you can also check Stanhope Microworks, as they seem to be the juggernaut of creating these contemporary items. And they do have galleries of the past products. So just check their site and see if it matches anything on their site. Yeah. If you find a mini ball that has 9-11 in it and you're still like, I'm not sure, (laughs) just go over there and double check. (laughs) Jesus Christ. As for finding the Stanhopes themselves on a regular object or what you think might be a regular object, you just look for what looks like a little metal rivet. Because of the way the glass is, it does not appear glassy. It tends to look gray. And I myself have mistaken it for like damage a couple of times, depending on the item. Like on a piece of metal, it'll look like a divot. Or you could look and see if it says, this is a Stanhope. Please peek in here to see a titty. Now, would that be an indicator of new or old? Old. I don't think they make nudes anymore. And none at all. Not just in Stanhopes. Good luck. Well. <laughs> Recently, you and I had the great delight of identifying a Stanhope to someone who hadn't identified it already. Indeed. When we visited Nathaniel Ellis at Flip This Dollhouse in scenic New Bedford, Massachusetts, he showed us a tiny dollhouse funeral home. In which was a little altar and cross. And Dee picked this up and said, hey, this is a Stanhope. Check it out. Yeah. And you peeked inside and what did you see? An image of the crucifixion. This one was definitely vintage. It was made out of wood. The image was an older image. It did not have the weird clarity that a current one would. And yeah, it was just a little altar. Probably meant to be sold at a cathedral. Alongside the indulgences. Yeah. Right next to your one-way ticket to heaven. And Nathaniel is, you know, not wet behind the ears at this game, and he still missed it. These things are very easy to miss if you're not looking specifically for them. If you're not examining every tiny object that crosses your path for a little peephole. Little tiny peephole. And maybe, maybe someday, you'll find titties in it. Someday. That's what we can all hope for. And that's Stan Hopes! Those are Stanley's hopes. That's what Stan hopes for. He hopes that you will someday see a very small pair of titties. Or the Pope's ass. (laughs) Or the Pope standing over a grate with his robes flying up. (laughs) (laughs) Sources for today include CollectorsWeekly.com, Secrets of the World's Tiniest Photographs, CollectorsWeekly.com, Stanhopes, AmericanHistory.si.edu, What on Earth is a Stanhope? VintageUnscripted.com, Stanhope, and my new favorite website, I can't believe I hadn't found them before, FauxRealThough.com, spelled F-A-U-X-R-E-A-L-T-H-O. How to identify Stanhope jewelry and congrats on the URL. That's fantastic. And a shout out to Elliot Mason and our Facebook group Antiques Freaks Friends for suggesting this episode topic. If you would like to suggest an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group Antiques Freaks Friends or you can tag us on Tumblr antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com or you can check us out on Instagram at instagram.com slash antiquesfreaks. If you liked thinking about how small titties can get inside of a pen... Think about rolling on down to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leaving us a five-star review. That's fantastic, and I'm going to go get tiny titties put in my pen immediately, you might say. And if you would like to shop a wide variety of vintage goods and t-shirts and stickers with the podcast logo on them, you can check out our Etsy at etsy.com shop slash antiques freaks. 
explore. If you need more Antiques Freaks in your week, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we are reading and reviewing a chapter of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, The Feast of Blood. And let me tell you, that story's gone off the rails. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right, you. Au revoir. Goodbye.